0: Welcome to the latest episode of Intelligent Advisor, the audio podcast for a new generation of financial professionals, brought to you by Advisor 2.0. These podcasts are produced and sponsored by Regis Media, a niche provider of content and social media marketing for financial advice and planning firms. I'm Robin Powell. Our guest on this episode is Rohan Sivajoti. Rohan is one of the movers and shakers in UK financial advice. He founded the financial planning firm Postcard Planning and is also one of the founders of NextGen Planners, a community for best practice in the profession. Whether you're just starting out or you're looking to take your firm to the next level, there's something in this interview for everyone. We also tackle one of the profession's elephants in the room. Why, in 2021, is financial planning still so dominated by white middle-aged men? Enjoy the interview. OK, well, Rohan, thank you so much for your time. You're more than welcome. Uh, 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 you know, I, I, I would like to principally ask you about two things. First of all, um, your planning business um, but also, and in a sense, if I may say so, even more interesting potentially is, is is next gen because I've heard so much about next gen, and I know our listeners have as well. So I want to hear about that. But briefly, tell me about postcard planning and and how it came about. Awesome, yeah.
1: Um... The short story is um, that I was doing the rounds as a BDM at various places, um, investment managers, platforms, et cetera. And throughout that period, was obviously speaking with loads of advisors, knocking on various doors. I, I don't know whether this is a fairly damning indictment of the situation out there, but um, there was a handful that I would trust my money with. Um, you know, Genuinely, there were a handful that I would go to. And I, I i quite simply thought robin um that perhaps uh, maybe rather arrogantly i, I could i I could, I could do this better um mm. and I, <laughs> I, I i didn't i didn't realize how difficult it, it would be and I'm sure we, we will we will touch on that um but i just thought I could do it better so at at, at 28 um with no clients just went directly
0: authorized went for it Something I experience quite often is is what you've just explained there somebody articulating what frankly a lot of people are afraid to say that the current um advice industry or certainly the advice industry you know ten years ago five years ago was simply not up to scratch, and very often it tends to be younger people like yourself who who aren't sort of weighed down with the baggage of the past, if you like, who are much better at identifying that than. Than older uh, more established advisors possibly um is that your view as well um perhaps
1: i i i, I don't know if it's really an, an, an age thing um i think it is more of a mindset thing there are there are there are plenty of people who are much older than me in this profession that i look up to and think are entrepreneurial and are and are good examples of that um i, I don't know i just think um with, with, with this kind of stuff, it's trying to actually find influences outside of financial planning. Um, I think we can, even at times within the great communities you know, like NextGen and other things around, we can get a bit within our bubble and a bit insular. Um, and I think the more that you look outside of these kind of things is when you get to see real development and real innovation and that kind of thing.
0: So in in a nutshell Rohan what was it about the profession or, or industry if you like that, that you didn't like and and how did you uh, set out to put that right with postcard
1: I don't think it, it I don't, I don't think it was that I didn't like it like like I said I would I would have given my money to a handful of people um, it wasn't that I didn't like what loads of others were doing I just thought I could perhaps do it better I thought there wasn't quite enough emphasis on the client and decent client outcomes and um, there seemed to be and it, it could have been I guess the world I was working in as well and um, a lot of focus on investment management and all this, and all this kind of thing and um, I'm sort of in that camp where that's just a, a byproduct of everything else really that's the mm. least important bit that clients just don't care about they ultimately trust you. Um, and trust you mm. to put them into into the right solutions, and that I just felt, um you know, it is a bit of a staid profession. It is something that I was going to various professional body events and looking around the room and thinking, "There's no one like me here." um You know, there isn't anybody, especially from an ethnic uh, perspective. So I'm half English and half Sri Lankan. Um, very, very low numbers in, within that space. Very, very few young people. And I always look at situations like that as an opportunity rather than. Um, a bit of a okay. Well, maybe I don't belong here. It was. well, I'm going to make sure that I belong here. And yeah, it look. It, it just felt. It just felt to me like a bit of an opportunity and the right time in my life to take a bit of a risk, take a bit of a gamble, and do something for myself.
0: So you've identified investment management as something that, frankly, clients don't want. Uh, well, of course they, they 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 want it, but they're not interested in talking about it all the time. Sorry, I, I should clarify that. Um, what do they? look for in an advisor what do they want that postcard planning provides
1: yeah so we have a we have a big thing about this internally in that we always want to be there in their big moments and i think that's it that's precisely it if you can be there in their big moments then that solidifies that relationship builds that trust and ultimately the rest of it falls into place so by that, I mean, you know, taking really good care of them around things like milestone birthdays, if family members pass away, retirement parties, or this, this kind of thing, whereby it's, you know, the, those really big moments always being there. Because with big moments in people's lives, that, that does leave a bit on the mind. It sort of leaves, leaves a bit of a mark. And if you're there as part of that moment, then you've left your mark too. And... For us it's it's just really focusing around those. So we're we're really big around those, but we're also really big on it being personal. We're not big for like, you know, corporate gifts and sending everybody the same thing or whatever it is. Like we want we're massive on soft facts and just targeting in those instances really personal gifts. So for example, if we know that somebody likes a particular type of whiskey or whatever it is, that's the type of whiskey that they're going to get. That's what's within the notes. That's what what that's what is there. Um, it has to be a truly personal service. It isn't a one size fits all tick box exercise. Um, and the more that you understand clients' likes, dislikes, all of these kind of things, and be there in those big moments, um, it just creates massive trust. It absolutely does. And we're we're always huge as well on like I give all clients my mobile personal mobile number and. And, and say, look, WhatsApp me. Any, I'm awake most times of the day. I'm not the greatest sleeper, Robin. Um, I'm just like, WhatsApp me. I will get straight back to you. You know, I, I just want to be contactable, want to be there. Because at the end of the day, they're, they're paying us fee, fees for a service, right? And we want to give them the, the absolute best possible service. So we, we're just, you know, probably to the extent of uh, too much at times all over our clients, I'd say.
0: It is amazing, isn't it, Rohan, that, that more advisors haven't worked this out, that it's actually, it's, it's about the client. It's about putting the clients first and the client's best interests first uh, and realising that, you know, n- no two clients are the same. My last podcast interview was with Alan Steele at Capital Asset Management, who I'm sure you've heard of. And he was just making this point, for example, he was talking about this whole Woodford um, debacle uh, um, and how there's a real human story Behind all those people who've lost money, you know they were saving or h- hoping to build this pot of money for different things, whether it's you know their retirement, children's education, you know the dream holiday that, that, that they, they they they've been wanting to go on. Um, and and, and the, there is a temptation to sort of forget that, and and particularly when you sort of read the trade press or the you know the the financial pages, that all the focus seems to be on the kind of the industry. Instead of on the people who really matter.
1: Totally, I, 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 I get it because obviously you know these people have to sell column inches, and you know let, let's be let's be sort of really honest about this. The advertisements in those magazines are paid for by asset managers. So they have to talk about them to a degree, right? And all the rest of it. It's not um, financial advice firms paying the bills for the magazines and all the rest of it. It's it's interesting. So it is as much as it's kind of what you take on, and, and this is. This is kind of, I guess, leading a little bit into the, into the into the next gen thing as well. It's kind of who you surround yourself with and where you hang out. So I made a pretty active decision around about eighteen months ago to get rid of Facebook and Twitter because it just wasn't it just wasn't wasn't any good for me. I just found myself wasting time on it, reading nonsense on it. You know, watching advisors publicly arguing with each other is the worst look ever. I don't care what side of any debate you're on. It's no good for any of us <laughs> as a as, as profession. So. And I just thought, you know, this is stuff I'm consuming here that isn't any good. Um, and kind of with quite a lot of trade press, there is the odd, there is the odd, odd exception. I've done a similar thing, unsubscribed to loads of it. I don't take on that kind of content because I don't need to. Um, I, I, really, I really don't need to. I've, I've got an investment philosophy that I think works and that kind of thing. And I'll I'll do my due diligence. I'll look at it at certain times of the year, but I'm not going to take it on all day, every day, and that that kind of thing. Um, And I think as long as you surround yourself with the right people, with the right content, and and challenge yourself from time to time, so it doesn't get too echo chambery, then that sort of seems to be um, the way that's worked for me. I think
0: something that we like to tackle uh, on these podcasts is is the kind of lessons that advice firm owners have learnt about running a financial. Business, um, you know, what, what are the main lessons? Big question, I know, but what are the main lessons you think you've learned about running a business? Good question. Um, I think the main lesson for me
1: was, um, where am I going to get my clients from? Yeah, that was that was the main lesson. Um, I yeah, like, like I said, uh, was twenty eight. God, what was that? Twenty fifteen. So that was what six years ago. So yeah, twenty eight um, went. Went, went directly authorised, set up this beautiful brand and processes and website and all this stuff and thought I was the absolute mutts nuts, right? And then went, oh, look, I've, I've arrived. Here's my shiny website. Aren't I brilliant? And the phone didn't ring on the first day. And I'm like, what? You know, what's what's going on here? Um, and I hadn't built a proper strategy around client acquisition. And um, I, like I said, I started from zero. You know, there wasn't any pre-existing client bank anything like that within about a week i was thinking yeah i didn't think about this bit did i really um and i still think that's where a lot of startup businesses ultimately stand up or fall down is by the number of customers you have or the number of clients you have right it's 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 income that comes in that keeps you going and and it's so it's something that I see quite a lot because I run a, I run a program within NextGen now called Blastoff, which helps people launch firms. And people spend so much time focusing on getting everything perfect and everything right and all this. And ultimately, if you've got nobody to use it on or show it to, it doesn't matter. And um, so the big focus of a lot mm-hmm. of these firms now is client acquisition at the start. You know, it's how am I going to get those first set of clients, first set of advocates, um, people that are going to really help grow a firm out. The perfection can come later on. The understanding that you're never going to be mm. perfect either. It's always going to, going to be a working piece. Well, I think once you can get over that and get really into the client acquisition piece, then um, that's where success starts to come.
0: I know what you mean. It, it is almost like a, 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 the elephant in the room, isn't it, client acquisition? There are some firms, as we know, which are you know lifestyle practices, and they say they don't need any more uh, um, clients. Advisors often told me they, they haven't got the capacity for any more clients. But for, for those firms that do want to grow, you do have to acquire clients. And like you you're at 28, you know, if you've got no clients at all, you jolly you, you well need to go out and find them. What was the secret? How did you do it? So
1: this is a, a bit of a thing that not a lot of people will agree with. And that's absolutely fine. But this is, this is my take on it. Mm. Um, there's this massive obsession at the moment that I've seen throughout our profession, which is this thing of you should say no to loads of things. You should you should keep saying no to stuff. You know Your time is valuable, all this kind of thing. I, I, I get that. I totally get that. What it tends to come from, however, is people who already have big businesses, who already earn very, very good money, who have already done all the hard yards. And I can bet your bottom dollar 20, 30 years ago when they were starting out, they weren't saying no to everything. Um, I took the opposite approach. Um, there's, there's that fabulous book by Danny Wallace, isn't there? Yes, man. And it was essentially that mm. um, I just said yes to everything. I did for a period any networking event yeah, if a mate invited me down the pub and I really didn't feel up to it, yeah, I was going. you never know where those conversations lead. I just said yes to everything and yeah. um, it, it's, it's graft, especially the first 12 months. It's proper graft. It's, it's putting it in, it's putting the hours in, going and getting getting your face known, getting yourself out there and that results in it, you know activity does result in some clients right so i'm I, again so so my, so my so my take around this is is that is the early doors it's actually about saying yes to a lot of things and it's actually just mm. about you know really put putting yourself out there going for it going for it going for it and then you get to a stage where you can start scaling back and start saying no and all of that kind of thing but i just i think i actually think some of that advice mm. is quite dangerous from people um that, that come to a lot that you know mm. that a lot of people take on And they just say, "Oh yeah, say no to loads of stuff." Mm. My my take on that is, it's slightly dangerous advice, and I'd I'd like people at the start of their careers to say yes more than they say no.
0: I quite agree, Rohan. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, people buy from people. They don't buy from firms they don't do business with firms they do do business with people and to sort of build up that rapport you've got to get out there and meet them you know you do feel very sorry for advisors at the moment don't you Uh, particularly those who are starting out um you know currently in in lockdown hopefully we're coming out of that soon What, what what can you do when you can't go to the pub or you can't you know go and meet people and you're looking for new business
1: innovate um simple as that really So there's a raft of just fantastic tools now in terms of, you know, I mean, how good is your phone, right? You can just flip it around for two seconds, film a video of yourself, post it anywhere you want. We've been using video a lot more with clients recently, um, especially um, throughout lockdown, because they're not having, you know, face-to-face contact, but people still want to see the face, right? They still want to see the face that advises them and know that that person's there. And it's not just on the end of an email or whatever it is. So we're using things like Video Ask now, whereby you can just flip your phone around, video up to two minutes, they can reply back with a video if they like, things like that. Um, Even if it's just a quick note after a meeting, just like, hey, really, really enjoyed the meeting, we're going to go away, do this, do that, we'll come back to you. Um, Just a completely different way of doing it via email, a bit more personal, a bit more in their home sort of thing. Um, In terms of client acquisition and stuff like that, Again, you can run webinars, you can you can do absolutely anything. You can just put your you know, I've seen people doing great like video series, like 60 second video series, like one a week, whatever it is. You can still get your face out there, although you're not in the room with those people, you can still get your face out there. Cause if your content is good enough, specific enough and relevant enough to that audit to that to a particular audience, then it's going to be consumed. And yes, you might not get them at the right point, but later on, you know, if if you're known as person a certain place and it comes to that decision and they think oh i remember seeing something from that person a while ago on that i'll go back to them for it and just being really consistent with the content um you know very 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 targeted it 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 absolutely works and um and, and let's face it during this dreadful pandemic and all the rest of it um I think a lot of us are doing more work because there's not a lot else to do. To be honest, um, there's a, there's only so so much that you could do within the confines of four walls in the middle of winter. Um, so it's uh, so there isn't any
0: excuse from that side of things either. So what about your mistakes? I mean, you're you, you know, all business owners learn from from mistakes. I, I crikey, I've made some absolute howlers. Um, you know, are there any uh, that you've made that you're willing to share with listeners and, and and tell me what you've learned from them?
1: Yeah, massive one. So, uh, Well, it, it wasn't a massive one, but it was one. So um, I like this idea of, of niche with firms um, and targeting specific niches. One of my good, good good friends who's still in the profession lost 90% of his eyesight o- o- overnight due to a rare de- degenerative eye condition called LHON. Uh, Leber's Hereditary Optic Neuropathy and he was only 23 at the time I think just lost 90% of his vision overnight and it, it, it basically won't, won't come back and there isn't a cure for it mm-hmm. and he was talking about how because he's a he was a BDM as well um, still is um, and he was talking about how difficult his role was you know, especially in finance to be able to see things all of this kind of stuff because now he doesn't have much sight which got me to thinking is there a proposition out there for mm-hmm. people who are blind or partially sighted um, there wasn't. Um, I, at this similar time by coincidence I got introduced to um, a blind client as well and decided to kind of build a proposition around using using bits of technology to make things more readable, more audio, that kind of thing for blind clients and thought this would be a great niche. So I think I recorded a podcast with somebody about this niche or this kind of thing when I was trying to launch it but then fast realized that um, within that niche it was still too, it wasn't niche enough it was too broad. Still too broad because um, I think it's something like just over 80% of people who are blind or partially sighted, uh, usually on benefits. So not your typical financial planning client who would be able to pay fees and that kind of thing. Um, So Mm. I thought I was niching, but it wasn't niche enough. It absolutely wasn't. Mm. Um, And it was Mm. the wrong target audience for what I was trying to do. Um, So I very quickly backtracked from that back into some – generic retirement planning and that kind of thing. Um, but that was a mistake that I made was that I went for a niche because I thought niche was cool, right? And everybody's doing niche. This is great. Um, but didn't proper, properly market research that that niche at the time.
0: And to tell me about um, next-gen planners, and uh, I believe it was you and Adam, Carolan who set uh, next-gen planners up. Um, for those who, who aren't aware of, of, of you as an organisation, what, what, what exactly is Next Gen Planners, and, and, and what were you looking to achieve with it? Okay,
1: well let's start with um, let's start with this, the kind of backstory to it. So the backstory to it was that um, I was at a well-known professional body event, and I was stood in a bacon queue, Robin, um, and I was stood listening to two people in front of me, uh, and this is completely genuine. Talk uh, and brag to each other about how they'd on a four hundred and twenty five grand investment bond taken seven and a half percent fee. <laughs> and I was l- listening to this conversation. I was looking around the room, and like I said before, I couldn't see people who looked like me. I and I just from the conversations I had throughout that day, I was, you know, they were miles behind. They were they weren't the type of people I wanted to hang out with. Okay, very 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 simply, there weren't people that were gonna. Um, improve my career you know bring me on as a person bring me on as an advisor i didn't i wouldn't have a pint with them you know those kind of, and i was just like i you know i don't want to be in this room and i and i, I was chatting to adam caroline at the time and he was like similar things been happening and i said well why don't we create the room so we, we sat down in the pub and we got we got this napkin and a pen and we've still got this napkin and we wrote down a few things that we wanted to see, and a few sort of values for if we were going to if we were going to do something about it. And um, we came up with the name Next Gen Planners, and that's just stuck since. And we we got a few people we knew off Twitter and stuff, just brought them together, had a few conversations, whatever else. And then we kind of saw that everybody was feeling the same way. You know, there wasn't this collective mindset of a community whereby people can sort of lift each other up, help each other out, and generally like increase the value of this profession and like just really just kind of raise the tide together um so we wanted it to be wanted it to have community feel and um, so we just kept building that community things just kept building out and then we kept adding bits and bobs and where we are today maybe what we four, four or so years later now is you know paying memberships around about 400 nowadays um you know, mailing lists is way beyond that or that kind of thing but we've got you know a series of products including. Training contracts from people from zero to level four to level six, because we wanted it to be more akin to um, accountancy and law, whereby people go into firms and mm. kind of know what their programs are. And, and it's it's there to help small firms scale up, really. So the people that don't have internal learning management systems or internal trainers, that kind of thing, to be able to help them scale up. Future leadership programs. um Annual these our conferences are completely different as well. That we run speaker and influence programs, and we get the members to deliver the conference. Because again, if we're going to change the dial on financial services, it can't be the same twenty people doing the rounds, doing all the talks, all the conferences. It just can't. That won't change it. So if we can create the next lot of content creators and the next lot of speakers. then that's going to slowly have the positive effects and ripples through the profession. So it's morphed into a brilliant thing. And what it's morphed into more than anything else Robin is just a set of friends and I was the I was the classic lonely IFA back bedroom um that that classic person and I'm no longer that. I know at any time of the day mm. I can reach into that into that community and say can somebody help me out with this I, I had one the other day char- chargeable bond calc I had to do. Um, can someone just double check this for me sure jump on the zoom call done and just having that group of friends there to be able to do that is extraordinary it's brilliant
0: wow that that is an amazing uh story and an an incredible achievement as well to to have done so much in you know j- just four years i I, I suppose I'd, I'd forgotten actually how quite quite young your organization is and you know it very much struck a chord with me because when I first started writing about bad advice if you like um sort of eight or nine years ago and and how the the advice profession really needed to up its game, I just felt like like a sort of voice in the wilderness, and you're absolutely right you can feel very lonely uh and that no one's you know reading the stuff I mean to start with nobody was reading the stuff. <laughs> Um, But but I think that that awareness of the need for change has grown. And one of the main reasons for that is organizations like your own, which bring like minded people together to to encourage each other uh, and and to really kind of not just talk about change, but to be the change uh, themselves. And and, uh, yeah, it's very impressive what you've done.
1: Thank you appreciate. It. I mean that, that actually so even that you say there be, be the change I think it was our 2017 or 2018 conference and that was our strap line for um mm-hmm. it was be be, be be the change because I'm a, I'm a huge believer Robin in this. I don't see I, again I don't really follow politics and all that kind of stuff because um mm-hmm. I'm not interested like and and it would just wind me up I think if I followed it. And like, 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 I, I, I know, I know who the prime minister is. I know what's roughly going on. Right, that's fine. Like, you, 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 can't, you can't, you can't get away from it. Right, but I choose not mm. to get wound up by it because I'm not willing to do anything about it. Right, if I was, if I was willing to stand as an MP or whatever it is and do something about it, that's fine. I can get wound up about it, but I'm just not going to give headspace or time to anything that I'm not going to, that I'm not going to affect. No. It was with financial services. It was exactly this. I was having a bit of a whinge, and I was like. I'm going to stop whinging. I'll just do something about it. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just passive mm. on that. Anything I'm not willing to affect, I'll just cut out.
0: Exactly. I mean, there are people who, who, who talk about things. And as you say, whine about things. And there are, and there, there are others who get on and, 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 and make a difference. Um, that don't just talk about the change, be the change. Uh, it was actually Malala, Yousafzai who, who, who you know, we, we've done a lot of um, video production uh, work with, with her. And that's be, always been her mantra. If we're not going to uh, make the difference, then 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 who who is you know? Um, do do you think this message is is getting through? Do do do, do you think uh, that that you are changing hearts and minds about about financial advice? I hope so,
1: um, I th- I th- I think we are, and um, and it's just, and I, the the reason I think that is so, like so so. Next show has done some great things in bringing some people together, right and. Perfect examples of this. Um, one of the speakers at our, our conference last year, so one of the members who went to the speaker and influence program and did her ten minute TED talk at the conference, uh, is a lady called Olivia Parnell. So she's a young lady. Mm. She's black, which is something that is you know not very prevalent throughout throughout our throughout our profession. Um, yeah. incredibly well-educated, incredibly well-versed on all, th- all things diversity. And her talk, just everybody just stopped where they were. Like it was one of those proper landmark moments where you, you couldn't have been prouder to give someone like this a platform to be able to deliver her message. And through through NextGen, that's led on to her writing stuff for PFS. It's led on to her creating a podcast with Gretchen Betts called Parental Changemakers, which is about diversity. And if you kind of unpick some of that, i you know i and I'm, i we can take some of the credit for that right because these people wouldn't have met without a community in which that they have formed a relationship in to be able to do that and you know we we do we we do sit back and take some of the credit for that absolutely because we have to be proud of the, the work that we do and we we're, we're immensely proud like immensely proud of people collaborating together to do things um within this is the other thing i, I really don't understand as well is that we all know there's the, and, and like you said earlier, people are like, I've got too many clients, whatever it is. Like, there are tons of clients out there. There's loads to go around, right? We just feel that we're just way stronger together and collaborating than we are trying to butt heads against each other and all the rest of it. So, I, you know, I, I, I really couldn't give a damn whether you charge fixed fees or percentage or whatever it is. I, I, I don't mm. care. Um, there's absolute room and scope for both and whatever else. Um, it's all about what's fair and value for clients. But, in terms of like collaboration, just like work with each other, just share just share best practice, and that will raise the tide um, and turn us into a, a, pro- a proper profession. I always say this about, we have this little obsession with trying to compare ourselves to accountants and solicitors sometimes, mm. right? Um, mm. But we're in a much more privileged, privileged position, and I'll tell you why. So um, accountants, people have to see, right? Because they have to do their books solicitors yeah. people have to see and i remember my um my um, girlfriend's a solicitor and you know she's she's had people on, and she's had people on multiple occasions say to her i hope i never have to see you again now that's not because she's got awful because she's all right but yeah. um but it's just because you don't want to see a solicitor do you you just have to see one but financial planners people choose to see them right and this is why it's different people choose to see them so when they make that choice, if we can make that as good an experience as possible, that's what's going to raise us, not on a par with solicitors and accountants, but way above. People choose to see us. They don't have to see us. And if we just keep sharing best practice, if we just keep collaborating, um, like a, a perfect example, right? So in like NextGen this morning, somebody's put a post in saying, I'm thinking about a one-page financial plan. Has anybody got any ideas? And there's already loads of comments on there saying, "Yep, here's mine, here's mine, here's mine, here's mine." Like mm. that experience gets taken back to that firm; they create that from a vaster mind of everybody else's, and that goes to their clients and improves and improves and improves and improves. And it's that kind of just that tiny marginal gains thing that's now starting to filter its way in.
0: Like you, uh, Rohan, you know, I was shocked when I, you know, first sort of encountered this profession sort of eight, eight or nine years ago, and would go along to uh, events and and all the speakers would be you know white middle-aged middle class uh, all all male i found it shocking and 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 actually one little kind of protest that i that i like to make is if i am asked to speak on a panel i would look look at the panel and and see you know if there are any women on there if there are people from you know other ethnic backgrounds and and so on and and if there aren't you know I, I i often just say no no thanks you know haven't you got enough people like like me speaking um is there anything other than that that we can do to kind of encourage people into the profession who otherwise you know wouldn't have considered it
1: totally so first of all totally with you on that we made a decision as board um not to sit on any and what my friend refers to them as mannels, um, so panels of men, um, and but to always push back on that, we have pushed back on that, um, and it's it's been re- received well in the majority of the case, apart from one where they just refused, which was interesting, but I won't name names. So it's a really interesting thing, this. Robin, people have got different thoughts on this. Um, my thoughts around it are around are around role models. So when I mm. when I look to the look to the role models within my life, um, they are. Generally, people of color, um, and pe- and because they've had to struggle through that through some kind of ad- adversity to get to where they are. I'm not saying that I've had particular adversity, by the way. I've had a, one of the most straightforward lives you could ever imagine. But it, that, that isn't to say I didn't feel some degree of growing up as an ethnic minority in a town of twenty thousand white people in West mm. Yorkshire, right? But that's a story for a, another day. Um, other things we do I, I simply are that speaker and influence program I talked about, where we have. 30 people going through it to talk at the conference. It's up to 120 this year because we're doing four countries, UK, US, South Africa and Australia. Um, Each of those are split 50-50, gender, diversity, and we have LGBTQ plus representation throughout as well because we're huge on this role models thing, right? We want people to see people who are like them in that position. Um, We want people to know that they have a voice um, and Another thing that we're going to be challenging privately, actually, with a few people is just around things like, um, th- this goes further than just panels. It's things like judging panels for events. Um, it's board mm-hmm. representation. There's the amazing story recently where there was a big investment manager calling out saying they wouldn't back any companies without any um, diversity on their board from 2021 onwards. And yet themselves, had, uh, out there, 15, had appointed one person of colour, non-executive director a matter of months before. And it was a bit of a do as I say, not as I do sort of thing. But I'm just huge on this role models thing. I'm just massive on it in that if we can really support people who have and give them a voice, give them a platform to be able to create themselves as a role model, that just helps bring more 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 people through and has that trickle-down effect. There is one caveat to this, which is tokenism. Um, and I interviewed for a board position six or so months ago now, um, and in the hour-long interview, they spent 40 minutes talking about my background or asking me questions about my background, and it was very clear that I wasn't there on the premise of my business skills or what I could bring to the organisation. It was about ticking a box. So there is there's a very yeah. fine balance with it, um, and of course, you know, it was something that I turned mm-hmm. down because I'm not I'm not going to be anybody's tick box, right? Um, I want to be there on merit. Um, so there is a bit of a fine balance with it but it's something that I've talked about a lot in that I'm very bullish on it. Um, if we think about where we've come mm. from the past 40 years, then 20 years ago, 10 years ago to now, there's huge amount of progress, huge, huge amount of progress. Um, mm. and so I'm really, really bullish on the future of diversity.
0: Good, good. Of course another aspect of the of the diversity issue is, is not just the, the sort of makeup of the profession, if you like, um, and, and making that more diverse, it's also the the, the clients and, and 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 traditionally you know advisors have focused on, you know, the top five percent, increasingly now the top one percent. Now of course we can all understand the commercial reasons why that is the case, but the problem, of course, is that it kind of disenfranchises, you know, the vast majority of the population. Everyone can benefit from, from good advice. And I'm not saying that advice firms should should you know be be, be targeting absolutely everyone, but, but how do we help people who've fallen down that advice gap, if you like? And and and, and how particularly do we encourage younger people to think about financial advice rather than, you know, going on one of these trading apps and trading Bitcoin or, you know, GameStop or something?
1: Difficult, isn't
0: it? Well, big question. Um, Okay,
1: so advice gap, first of all. Yeah, I think this is going to be served by what will become the hybrid market. This whole sort of not pure robo or pure advice, but somewhere in the middle. I think there's some good iterations of that coming around at the moment. It's it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because ultimately it's... You know, financial advice is service for fee, right? It's you they're paying for a service for a fee, and it's about making that scalable and affordable. Now, the only way to do that is with advancement in technology, automating some of the process around it, all of that kind of thing, um, which will make it more accessible to people. So again, I'm I'm fairly bullish on that. You know, technology's improved massively. It's very, 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 very easy now to um run these things pretty much fully digitally and um, and there's the other thing that will advance it as well is actually covid and um, because people have worked out that they can do a lot mm. of things not face to face with somebody and to be able to do it online people are going to be more accepting of this type style of advice and style of service now and um, so i think actually the people who are in the hybrid camp and the robo camp will have some kind of acceleration um because of that they've already got the systems and processes in place and people are well clients and consumers are going to be more more accepting of the medium of delivery in terms of younger people getting them into advice as opposed to trading apps and that kind of thing it's very very difficult so we 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 have a bit of a gambling culture in the uk don't we um you know from anything from the the shirt sponsors mm. the football teams mm. and all the rest of it it's you know incredibly easy to burn burn through 20 30 40 quid in bets in you know, two minutes, three minutes, whatever it is on your on your betting apps or whatever that is. And I can see the way that they're framing trading a lot of these people is a very similar way to gambling and like football accumulators and whatever else. It, they're trying to say, you know, it's just as easy and it's just a bet and all this kind of thing. It's, I mean... It's just being really upfront about the risk and making people aware of the risk. There was some, there was an extraordinary advert I saw the other day for one of the trading apps. I can't remember who it was, but it had the disclaimer at the bottom. And the disclaimer was in text. It was just mm. about legible, obviously the minimum that they have to put it in. But it actually said 78% of accounts lose money. Right. And I was thinking if that was just made yeah. maybe four font sizes yeah. bigger, people might just go, <laughs> oh well, the odds aren't in my favor here are mm. they it's an extraordinary stat it's yeah. amazing have to put it on there it's it's really difficult I don't really have many answers around this Robin it's, uh, it's something that's that that's still evolving um mm. and it's just you know people are, people are always going to chase the air uh, you know try and become the hare and, and, and not and not the air tortoise aren't they um it 's incredibly difficult it 's going to have to be stuff like more education around it in schools that kind of thing it 's going to have to come into curriculum at some point it is otherwise people are just mm-hmm. going to dive into these things blind
0: I, I suppose another problem is we, we we always hear about the winners you know there, there are lots of people bragging on social media, young people bragging about how they 've you know made a shedload of money on 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 bitcoin for example where where actually all they 've really done is just been the beneficiary of a of a of a massive bull market which they couldn't possibly have predicted or uh, maybe, they, <laughs> maybe they will say they <laughs> did. I'll take it that. <laughs> yeah. um, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you, Rohan. I just want to ask you one Final question: You're working with a, with, with young advisors and, and helping young advisors to sort of set up their own businesses and get into the profession and so on. What would, very briefly, be your advice to, to 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 young people who are who are you know in the, the early stages of a of a career in in financial planning? Mine
1: is always: What's the worst that could happen?
0: Okay, um, like what is the worst that
1: could happen? So I think about this with a lot of major decisions in life. What is the absolute worst that could happen? And the absolute worst for me is that it all goes belly up, I lose everything, right? And that's the worst. Now, my backup to that is I'm very fortunate, I've got a great family, you know, three fantastic younger brothers who would support me, two fabulous parents who would support me, that kind of thing. And I'd probably have to move in with mum and dad again, build myself back up somewhere or whatever it is, right? That's the worst that could happen to me. But I've done my chartered qualifications, and I could go and get an employed role somewhere if I wanted to, probably got enough stock in the bank to be able to do something that's the worst that could happen to me and is that terrible if i have to go and get an advised an advising Mm -hmm. role at a firm salaried all that kind of thing That's not that's not awful and um i i'm a bit of a risk taker and i i feel like um sometimes people should just take that jump you know, what is the absolute worst that could happen in this scenario? And I think as long as you get decent level of qualifications, you're a decent enough person to be able to interview, to walk into another role, to be able to do something different. Then what's the worst that could happen? Take a risk. But as well, surround yourself with the right people. Find, find your little tribe. Find your little community. And just ask people. People, One of the brilliant things I think about financial services is how kind and generous people are with their time. Um, and, you know, it is, it is a compliment when people reach out to you and say, hey, you know, can I just talk to you about this? I want to, I want to pick your brains on that. Of course, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a, great, a great feeling to have as well. And we, we, we do owe it to people to give back. We're not holier than thou. You know, we are, it's, let, let, let's sort of face it, the majority of us advisors are serving 70, 80 wealthy families in our local area. Um, it you know, is that God's work or whatever it is? I, I, I don't know um so you know we aren't holy now or whatever it is you know let's do what we can to give back do what we can to give to give time to people but yeah my 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 advice to anybody coming through is go just just reach out to people talk to some people but ultimately the the one thing i've learned through everything is back your gut your gut is always right 99% of the time your gut instinct is right Mm -hmm. you don't need to do things by by counsel and 18 different opinions and that your gut instincts right. but take the risk. Make, 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 make the jump.
0: Rohan, it's it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, thank you so much for that, and and you know, best of luck with with postcard planning, and and and, and especially with with, with next gen planners. Uh, it, you know, it it sounds like an well, I know it's an excellent organisation, and and uh, you know, very very best of luck with that in future. Appreciate, it, Robin. Thank you for your time. And that's about it for this episode. You've been listening to me, Robin Powell, on the Intelligent Advisor podcast, talking to Rohan Sivajoti. Thank you to Rohan and also to our sponsor, Regis Media. Regis has a wide range of high-quality, customizable video content for advice firms to use. We also produce unique content to help you build an audience, to engage with clients and prospects, and to grow your business. You can come to our fully equipped studio in Birmingham to record your videos or we can come to you. We also work with firms outside the UK. To learn more, why not visit our website? You'll find us at regismedia.com. That's regismedia.com. Please do subscribe to Intelligent Advisor if you haven't already done so. You'll find us on both SoundCloud and on iTunes. And finally, if you've enjoyed this episode, please write a review. We'd love to get your feedback. So from me, Robin Powell, and our producer, James Cresswell, for now, it's goodbye.